ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Magdaleno, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you, sir? Good, boss. It's good to meet you. It's nice to finally meet you. It's having a good time. Ready to have a good conversation about some racing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's uh, l- let's let everybody know a little bit about you and and a little bit about what you do as far as racing goes. It's your floor, man. It's it's been a wild ride. Um, I'm from Acton, California. I race uh, TRX 450. Um, completely built by Felipe Velez from Baja TV Riders in San Felipe. Um, it's been a good, good run. I started racing in 2015, right out of high school. Let's see. I was playing sports constantly through high school and stuff. And as a child, but as soon as school was done, there was no more soccer. There's no more baseball. So racing became the next hobby. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, how much time do you get to spend down in, in, um, San Felipe with, with, I call him lippy. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's still lippy to me, but, um, yeah, he's, it's good. And, um, he, he built everything for me. He's taught me a lot, basically everything about that. I know about racing. Um, I hate, I go to San Felipe. I've been going to San Felipe since I was a kid, since I could remember. I've been watching the Baja races since I could remember. I remember just being a little kid, like, Hey, like I want to race. I want to race one day. Hopefully I can do like be one of like those guys. And it's been fortunate enough to get the opportunity to do so. And do you spend most of your time racing in, in uh, Baja? Almost all of my racing has been in Baja. I just last year I started racing BITD and district 38. And for everybody that doesn't know what BITD is, it's best in the desert. And District 38 is the local desert uh, here in Southern California. Um, probably some of the roughest race courses, uh, you know, District 37's got rocks. We got whoops. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, it's been the best training for me lately. And I like it because they force you to do solo races. I've been so accustomed to at least have one co-pilot and it's just like switch off here and there. But District 38's taught me to pace myself and be a better rider solo. How are you doing down there so far? Really good, actually. Um, second place here and there. I got some lucky first place from penalties from the first place guy. But uh, I've been up there podium almost every time, which is nice. And competition and terrain is brutal. Terrain is always brutal. So they don't make it easy for you. You know, some of those racetracks down there in district 38 have been being used for, you know, 30, 40 years. So they're, they're, it's just brutal and it never gets a rest because on the off weekends, I don't know what that was. That was my computer. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
Uh, it's okay. Uh, on your off weekends, the recreational guys are down there beating up the race courses. Um, kind of like it, it's happening. I, I heard some stories that some of the ranchers in Baja were closing the trails through their land. Uh, what, what do you yeah. think? Um, I remember I was pre-running for the 500 in the Baja 500 in 2016, actually every year so far since 2015, you go pre-running and gates are just closed, just shut, locked, padlocked. And it's just like, what the heck? Or they even hustled me a couple of times and they'll make you pay like 20 bucks or 10 bucks to get through like, dang, okay. I guess they're getting their little side hustle in. But, um, yeah. And then there was this one race in Tecate that they let the ter- the first, the two first place guys pass and they closed the gate and we were the third place bike. And so there was a big gap between second and third, but it's been brutal. But it's, it's fun. I mean, they're doing what they're going to do and it's their property. They can do whatever they want, I guess. Don't they get paid by the racing association to allow it to happen? From what I hear, yes that that they've already signed the papers and they've gotten paid to let us go through their terrain, through their property. And sometimes, I don't know, they must change their mind on race day or the day before on pre-run something always, not always, but something comes up every once in a while. Yeah. I was talking to some friends of mine that do some UTV riding down there. And they said that they weren't allowed to go through some, some gates. Um, and had to turn around. There was a couple of motorcycle guys that I've talked to that, you know, could, didn't have enough fuel to turn around and begged and pleaded and, and got the, got the, the, got the guy to let him go through, but it, it took them a while to, to, to beg and plead to get through because he knew they couldn't go anywhere else. He knew they couldn't go back the way they came and have enough fuel. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes money talks and that's really all they want, but they won't say it up front, but you know, at the end of the day, they'll, they'll take the money and they'll, they'll let you through. Well, it is all about money. The only thing that bothers me is, is it really the landowner that's out there doing it? You'll never know. That's the big question. <laughs> it's brutal sometimes. We were racing. Um, I think it was the thousand and you know, right out of Ojos the pit right up on the hill there in that field. Yep. And there was mm-hmm. a guy, there was a guy standing there drink drunker than hell with a chain, you know, pulling the chain and won five bucks from everybody. Yeah. And, and he had this old rusty pistol in his belt and I told him, I ain't giving you five bucks. And I drove, but I drove through, you know, <laughs> he was so pissed at me, but a lot of people, they're, they're just all bark and no bite, you know, sometimes. Uh, I bet you if we would have gave him some beers, he would have been happy, but I didn't even have any of those to give out, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It it really depends on who you run into. You'll run into the most beautiful people, like great people in the world there. And then sometimes you'll run into unfortunate. I I think that as far as race people go, and this is nothing against anywhere I've ever been in the world, the people in Argentina and Chile. Yeah. I have to see, say are the most hospitable people and the nicest people I've ever been around. All right. They were just, we were in Argentina one time and I probably told this story on the podcast before, but we were in Argentina one time with the Dakar. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't the beneficiary of this, but the team was, um, and, and because I was working on the quad, I would really was kind of, um, just an afterthought. I got to sleep with the bikes at the truck. Okay. But in the morning, they'd take me to the wherever the shower was and I could take a shower. So the team got to stay in this house. And what this was, these people got up. I mean, they literally got up, walked out of the house and says, we'll be back tomorrow. See you later. Enjoy. You know, there was TV, wow. there was shower, the refrigerator was full, you know, and the guys got to stay in the house, you know, for the night. And um, it was awesome. The- I took a shower in the morning and the trust, you know, the trust that they have, but they also probably have no reason to not trust, you know? So yeah. To each um, from what the team said, the amount of money they took, they had to give them the money. They, they wouldn't take the money. They had to give it to them. 
Right. Like left it under the, under something in the kitchen when they left because the people wouldn't take the money. For them to run into it eventually once the guys were gone, huh? Yeah. You know, so they'd be like, oh, you know, look what they've done. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't care if you were a mechanic or a racer. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they're just such great people, you know, just. Oh, that's great. You said Argentina and Chile? Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 I, well, I got to put that on the list of, of bucket list to go to. Uh, Buenos Aires is probably one of the coolest places I've ever been. You know, I've, I've looked into it. I've seen beautiful pictures and they reference that place in movies a lot. It's, it seems like a sweet spot. You know, I never went as a, as a tourist, so I don't know what it's like as a tourist. Right. I know that the team handed me the keys to a pickup and told me to drive over to this one place and pick up some parts and drive back. And you're talking to a guy that has no GPS, no map. And I've been there one time. Yeah. <laughs> and they have this gigantic soccer stadium. That's, that's not used anymore. All right. And I don't know why it's not, I, I did. I could never get anybody to give me an answer, but it's not used anymore and it's red and white. So it's your landmark. Okay. Yeah. You know what side you're on, you know, where you can go. It's kind of like when you're in Baja, you have landmarks. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to reference everything off of that one mountain or that that one street or that one building, that one shed. You know, I used to I used to go down there with Danny uh, with Craig Christie. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, that guy was awesome because he would say, "Hey, you go down the road to the pile of rocks." You know, and he would show me a picture of the pile of rocks and you'd go down the road to the pile of rocks and you'd turn right and you'd drive in X amount of time. And there was the pit and, and, and everybody asked, where did you go? And what I went to the pile of rocks and turned right. <laughs> yeah. What pile of that's rocks? Still, I have no idea. That's we, yeah. That's still how we set up our, our pits our like our, that's how we tell our pit drivers, our chase crew where to go when we're pre-running. We're like, okay, and we'll take a picture. We'll just, you see this yellow banner, make her left. And that's it. Like you'll, you'll run into it. I, I remember, you know, you know, the bottom pits down in San, when you race San Felipe two fifty, mm-hmm. and there's like 47 roads to the pit. Yeah. One's rough, one's smooth. If you go way down to the end and turn in and drive up the wash, it's really smooth. Yeah. You know? I've probably got to that pit 40 different ways and still can't tell you which one I would take if I did it again today. The right way. Yeah. You kind of just wing it, but you will end up there. Uh, I drove down the whooped out as rockiest roads, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. why, why did I take this one? Um, maybe I turned too soon. And then the guys I was chasing kept going. Well, I met them at the pit, you know, and I, where did you guys go? Oh, we went way down here and drove up the smooth wash and, you know, I had no problems. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's crazy. That's how it's always been essentially been Baja in general, but yeah. Uh, When you do the, when you do the uh, point to point or when you go all the way to the the bottom. Yeah. To La Paz. That's pretty crazy. It's nuts. I've only done it once and I didn't race it. We chased and my, my dad and I chased and wow, it was a mission, but totally worth it. It's beautiful. It's fun. You haven't got to race all the way to the bottom yet. I haven't raced it. No, we chased a friend from Spain that Ironman did, and he did it from point A to point B. And he did it in, I think the cutoff time was 48 hours and he did it in 46. So we were just chilling in the desert for two days, really. Wow. Um, what's his name? Um, Miguel Angel Aranz. And he's, he, he, he reached out to my dad and he's like, Hey, like, I see that you're racing Baja. You seem like a good guy, like come out. And so my dad built a bike for, built one of my race bikes for him through Leapy, And he did it. He came out, flew out, brought his gear and he rode my quad all the way down to the bus. That's so cool. Supposedly the third or second ATV to do it. Iron Man. That's 
I don't know about doing that on an ATV Ironman. That's no way. way. And it's brutal. Mm-hmm. This guy, we, I mean, we chased him the whole way, but when he got to the finish line, he couldn't get up. He couldn't get off the bike. We had to carry him. His hands were swollen. His feet were swollen. I asked him like, would you do it again? He said, he says today, yeah, he'll do it again. But that's a different animal. I don't know about all that. Well, I went to Dakar in 2009 with no idea what it was like. And yet it was the first year in South America. So it's not real Dakar. It's more of a, it, it, it is, it's still tough. Yeah. And day one, you know, where I don't know what I'm doing. I know that there's shower, joint showers for everybody. And, you know, I work all day long. I, I hadn't, it's been, you know, 36 hours without a shower. Um, the food is, I missed dinner. Um, you know, yeah. fortunately people are always, always, somebody always has something for you to eat. You know, you don't always know what it is, but you just eat it and don't worry about it because if you think about it too long, you're going to get, you're going to have a problem. Um, so I walk over to the, to the shower, which is like a shipping container with yeah. hoses stuck in the sides. And there's been so many people. The mud is just below your knee. Oh God. There's water running out the front door about two foot wide, about four or five inches deep running out the door and each stall has a hanger so you can hang your clothes on and a little bitty shelf and then you step into the center of where the dirt isn't shower and then step out and get dressed outside because you can't you can't you can't get your clothes on in there because it's all muddy you have to rinse your feet off from the water that's coming out of the doorway so that you can put your clothes on Wow. That sounds nuts. I couldn't even imagine. I turned around and said, you know what? I can shower another day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait. I'll definitely wait. I ended up waiting till day eight. <laughs> Was it worth it? To get the shower on day eight? Yeah. Or to the wait? Was the it wait. worth the wait? Or would you, would, would, would you rather have showered in that mud pit? I almost would have rather showered in that mud pit because I met this nice French lady Uh and she was, I don't know who she was affiliated with, but when I was trying to go to the hotel to get a shower, yeah, he was at the front gate for some reason. And she knew somebody that I knew. And that person told her, Hey, give him a ride to such and such hotel. And she had to roll her window down because they smelt so bad. Oh no. You know, and I felt so bad for her. Yeah. And, you know, they gave me the exact amount of money to get the cab back to the bivouac. And um, the cabbie tried to stiff me for more money and I didn't have any more. That's all they gave me. Yeah. And I don't know where this guy came from. But this guy's armed in street clothes, spoke fluent Spanish and fluent English. Oh, no, this is no lie, dude. And he's a military, a military guy. And he come out of nowhere because I'm arguing mm-hmm. with the cabbie telling that's all the money I got. And he come out of nowhere screaming at the cabbie in Spanish. Yeah, man, don't worry about it. And I go, well, I'm not even where I'm supposed to be. How do I get back? And he goes, hey, just go down there and go through the gate. No problem. And I go, yeah, but somebody's going to stop me. And he goes, no, they're not. You don't worry about it. Go. I got you back. Oh, you got some good people behind you then. Uh, Brother, uh, you have no idea some of the things I've been told, you know, standing in contingency, you know. In, in other places in the world? In Mexico. Oh, shit. Okay. You know, and you know, there, there's certain guys down there that race that don't have the most ethical jobs. That oh, not, yeah, yeah. We'll leave it at that. And, and you know, there's a lot on race day. Yeah, 100%. On, not on race day, you don't really want to mess with them. Yeah, you don't, you don't associate with them outside of contingency or race weekend, and that's it. Yeah, I was standing next to two rivals. Oh. 
and was told that if it wasn't race day, that it would be ugly. It would have been a different story. Yeah, but they were talking like they were buddies. I mean, that's one thing that we can appreciate about the race community is that when it down to the, after all the BS racing's racing and we're all here for the same reason. We're all here to have fun. Exactly. And yeah, just BS aside, you don't want any other problems besides that. Well, I've talked way too much here. You know, I love telling <laughs> stories and, and, and I love the culture in, in the Southern portion of the world. Uh, it, my wife, like I've told everybody is from Guadalajara and just the food and just everything is just, you gotta go. If people are afraid, yeah. you gotta go. You Definitely. Know? You have to see it for yourself always. And if you're an asshole, you deserve what you get. Excuse my language to say that. Thing, but, <laughs> but if you're, but if you treat everybody with respect, mm-hmm. you just, it, it, there's a whole world of, of culture that you have to experience and they will open their hearts to you. And it, it, it's just awesome. I mean, it really yeah. is. Just have a heart, do your part and whatever you give to the, to them, they'll give back. So be nice. You'll get nice. That's about it. Right. I really want to talk about a specific day in your life. And you, with this smile on your face, you already know what I'm going to talk to you about. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. V2R. You got to tell me the story from the beginning to the end so that I get it right out of the horse's mouth. All right. Uh, this last one, right? Is the one we, we won. Yep. Yeah. It was good. It was awesome. I had, um, I teamed up with my boy, Chris Avalos from Yuma and my other friend, Chris Petrus from right here, Stevenson Durant in Valencia. He's only like 30 minutes from me. And, um, yeah, it was great. We had a bike fully built by Leapy, hundred percent dialed. It was great. So taking off, my dad was supposed to take me to the pit one and the directions in best in the desert are very like map quests. Like you go past this boulder and <laughs> eight miles and the pit is going to be to the left or something like that. They're very unique in their way. They give the directions for the pits. And, um, my dad, I fell asleep cause it was early in the morning. We, he's like, all right, we're here, kid. We're here. Get ready, get dressed. And we're like, dang, where's the quad? Where's the bike? Like, it's not here. We're waiting way too long. We figured out that we went to straight to pit two. And so my boy, Chris Avalos had to ride all the way to pit two and our whole logistics just got thrown off and we were in first and everything. And we got passed by the, the Georgia boys from that race GNCC. And after that, they were in first the whole run, the whole race. But we were kind of noticing that they were just gas go, gas pit, uh, rider exchange go. And Vegas Serena was not watered down or nothing. There's a lot of dust. I'm not sure what happened, but we were trailing behind them maybe 10 minutes every pit or 10 minutes behind them every pit. And the last pit, we we're waiting there and we see them pull in. And they turned off the bike and it just wouldn't turn on. They were kicking electric, start kicking, kicking, nothing. And we're like, oh man, something happened, something happened. And the whole race, we were air filter change, gas, check oil, check chain, check everything, just the normal procedure. And we, we see our bike come in and their bike hasn't turned on yet. We're like, wow, this might be actually happening. Fueled up, check the lid, everything. I don't know how it happened. I mean, we ran a clean race, no accidents, no nothing other than that one first pit mess up. But we ended up at the finish line. We were waiting there in the finish line and wow, it was, it seemed fake, seemed really fake. And for it being such a big race, like a legendary race, that's always been around. It was really nice to experience that because I never would have imagined. I, I remember growing up and hearing about Vegas Serena and like, oh, Vegas Serena this, Vegas Serena that. It's like, oh, I don't know. I only know about my score, 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 score. And I got the opportunity to race it. And yeah, it was a big win. It's a huge success. And I'm really glad I could do it with two of my best friends. 
And who got to finish? My boy, um, Avalos finished. My boy Avalos finished. Yeah. So I, I, he took off and he finished because it was his bike too. It was, he, he's the one who put the bike in and yeah, he did great. He rode the most miles. Um, luckily we were all able to do our part and it was awesome. That's so awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, it was great. Wow. Actually, I raced Vegas Torino the year before on that like hybrid Huskasaki. It was a Husqvarna motor 701 with a, in a Kawasaki frame. Right. And I think I was racing against you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. I mean, we were, we were right there behind you, but the pipe header blew out of the motor shooting flames. I was on the bike when this happened and it was just spitting out flames, huge flames. And I was like, dude, if I stop here, I'm going to be stuck here all day, all day. And so I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to keep going, keep going, keep going. And yeah. I pulled into the pit and that bike was melted. The fan was melted. The plastics, everything was just burning. It was brutal. Oh man. Yeah. But I remember, I think you, you set up the, the Q1 play, the Q1 quad. Yep. So that was fun. Yeah. Yep. I, we won that twice, two years in a row. That yeah. was my platform that they were running. Um, I don't know what happened to it cause they didn't prep it, but it was the same platform that had raced the, the year before. Right. Yeah. I never did find out what happened. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've loved that race. Uh, I got beat by Doug Eichner and Mark Spath. Mm -hmm. I raced with my nephew, Alan. And when we crossed the finish line, they told us that we had won by four seconds. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh boy, this just started some crap. Definitely. I mean, we were, we were not a, we were not a winner contending team. We were a third, fourth place team, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, that was just our day. You know, I weighed 240 plus my nephew weighed 275. Uh, we rode a 660 Raptor and, and, um, could break it in half at any given moment if we tried. And, yeah. um, we just had an amazing day and the bike was perfect. And when they did the final tally, we ended up losing by 26 seconds. No, no. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but if we would have, but if we would have won that race, Eichner wouldn't have won the championship that rear. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That would have been, that would have been a big game changer right there. Yeah. That would have, he would have been pissed. <laughs> yeah, he, he, would. Was, he was pissed anyways, because you know, pit 13, I don't know what pits you rode. Yeah. Yeah. The pit 13 has been the same for as long as I can remember. Right. You go to that roadside area, stop and, um, you know, you drive under the freeway or over it. I don't remember what it is now. And, and it's just the same, it's been in the same spot forever. And, um, he walked up to me and, uh, when, when my, I was getting ready to get on, he could see my guy coming and he goes, Hey man, don't pass my boy. And I go, you know, I'm trying. And he's shaking his head like, Oh man. And I'm not going to let him off that easy. I was six minutes behind him, you know, and we came yeah. 26 seconds of winning that thing. Uh, Our bike uh, we, it was kind of cheating. We had a 660 Raptor and they had a 305 250R. Oh, shit. had a 440 um, LTZ. Yeah. And our bike was top speed was killing them both. Um, so all the fast sections, they just did, they just couldn't compete. You know, we clocked that thing at 103 miles an hour. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't know if Alan and I could make it go that fast because of our fat asses on it, but <laughs> dude, we come up out of the, one of the wash wash sections and we're driving up the hill and I can see Stevenson and I can see Eichner and I can see I'm gaining on them. I mean, I'm like reeling them in, like I'm reeling in a fish. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm just like sucking up on him so fast. We all had the same left rear flat tire because when we dropped into the wash, we all cut it on the shale. Yeah. And all of us had the same flat tire and we, um, that 660 didn't care. I probably could have kept going on that flat tire and never even slowed down. Cause those bikes are insane. I didn't care. It just didn't care. Let's go. You know? So yeah. My, then my mechanic who's changing Doug's tire throws his lug nuts in the dirt and puts, it comes over and puts my tire on and Doug was Doug to this day is still pissed about that. <laughs> I bet anyone would. I would shoot. I wouldn't be too. Yeah. He's helping you out. And then he throws your lug nuts in the dirt and runs over to the other bike. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. It's not how it works at all. Um, yeah. Um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, in those races in Vegas, Serena, especially you really need a top speed, like a top high speed bike, our bike. And the one we just won, it was, I think we maxed out at like 82, something like that, like 82. And we, we, I remember on those big straightaways, I was like tapped out fifth wide open. And I was like, wow, I really need another gear right now. It's like, this is not cutting it. Cause we could not catch up to those, those Georgia boys. But sometimes things fall into place in the right way. And it totally worked out. Unofficially. They clocked that Q1 bike that year you're talking about. Yes. I saw that at 88 miles an hour. Oh, I thought I saw Sloan's GoPro video and I think it said 90. It might've been unofficial. Some, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It was freaking insane. insane. After the 500 mile mark. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, we'd already went 500 miles. It's incredible. Like I couldn't even imagine. I think well, I did the, head of the bike that you guys raced. Mm -hmm. You know, we had some, we had some parts that, that we did for you guys on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You did. That's awesome. Uh -huh. That's awesome. Yeah, I, would, a... I would love to have, um, one of my machines go head to head with one of, uh, Lippies, you know, yeah. Cause he built well, a bike, man. He builds a really good bike. He, he builds a very reliable bike, but I've kind of noticed that he don't, he doesn't like them to be too fast because sometimes they get too hot and they'll blow. But, um, I reliable is all I can say. He's always been reliable. My bikes have always run flawlessly. I had one or two hiccups in my race career, but you know what? I'm cheating. And this is just my opinion and I'm biased. Okay. But there's people out there going to be groaning when they hear this. I think I got the best guy building my engines. You know, Tell when your brother, your brother's as talented as my brother is, come on, you know, I mean, yep. dude, I never, I, yeah, some of them we, we've launched some, but for the most part, dude, it's just freaking, it's automatic, you know, kick it over, go. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think I bought a, a sparks motor off a friend that we that was fully fully built by sparks it, we won the baja 250 in sportsman in 2017 2017 or 2018 and i finally blew that motor up two weeks ago didn't open it up at all in three years four years and it finally blew on me like two weeks ago <laughs> And that thing hauled ass. It went easily 90 or like 87, 90. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it was great. I mean, it did its, it did its time. It definitely did its time. Probably put like 3,000 3, miles, 4,000 miles on that thing. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what do you got coming up? Coming up? Oh, well, I'm going to race the Baja 250 again in, at the end of or mid end of April. And it'll be fun. Same, same guys, same guys. I always race score with Lippy's doing the full builds. I was working on it now and I'm excited. Unfortunately, we're not going to race the in pro class. Cause there really hasn't been any competition in pro class. It's been the same one, two teams. And then in the 1000, there was only one team. And so we're going to race in sportsman, but there's like already six bikes signed up in sportsman. And I'm sure there's going to be, at least 10. So it'd be fun to have some good competition out there. Well, dude, as fast as you guys are, why don't you go step up into the pro class? 
Because a lot of these guys and sportsmen are pros. They just don't want to hop up to the class either. But I really like that score this year made that new rule that if you get podium, you're forced to go up. So that's awesome. At least that'll force people to go up. Do they get to take their points with them or? Um, well, I think you get to do this year in sportsmen. So like you can do the all three races or four races. But if you get podium in any of the races this year, you forced to go up in 2022. That's because that's the only way to build the pro class. They have yeah, to and it, it need to do it. Yeah, well, because it stifles the sportsman class because some of the guys don't want to race in the sportsman class, and then the growth doesn't happen in the pro class. Exactly. You know, and that's what I liked about like all these other races that like um, BITD and a, a lot of the I've been doing the score or no, what are they called? The code and records and the little races, race industries in Mexico that the pro class has been big lately. Everyone's starting to move up. So it's, it's cool that the pro scene is growing and I'm glad that score is forcing it now. So that'll be awesome. And who are the guys that, that are in the pro class that, uh, to me, it's always been like, Robles, Lippi, Luigi, and Said on the on one bike, and then it's like Dofo, Cusino, and Vera, and some other guys. They're always on the same team too. So it's like the same eight dudes team up together, and the fastest eight dudes team up on the same two teams, and they're duking it out. It's really just like Superman and Batman fighting it out, and I wish that we could like split it up into more teams and share some of that. And they need to break it down into two riders. Yeah. Or at least three. Cause both teams have at least five. Yeah. Break it into, break it into two riders. Like best of the desert used to do that where you only could have two guys. And I think that's perfect. That should, it should be like that. Well, you get more teams, you know? Yeah, a lot more teams. It'll force people to get more teams or like to team up and be like, all right, well, now it's not for the fastest dudes on one team. Like you can put two and then two, two, two. Oh my goodness. I don't know how to cut that out. Somebody text messaging you? Yeah, I'm not really sure how to. That was, that was harsh. That was, that was you, pretty hard. I, I got that. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. Yeah, that was the doorbell. <laughs> yeah, right. We're home. <laughs> Can't hear anymore, but we're home. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so you're going to race sportsman in the 250. You're going to race all year long. You're going to race all three races or four races. Um, I, as of now, I'm only aiming on doing the 250 and the 1000 because I will be starting school to do um, welding inspector. Time to make some grown grown up money. <laughs> oh, what, what do you mean? You want to grow up and be an adult? I want to make adult money. We'll <laughs> <laughs> make some big, got expensive habits. You know, if I want to race and pay for it all my own, like I've been privileged enough to have my dad on my side and my parents that they, they help me out a lot. And so, I don't know if I want to do it more and longer should start. Danny, how old are you? I'm 23. Oh, so you're still pretty young. Oh yeah, Definitely. And are you going to go be a certified welder or are you just going to be an, are you going to school to be an inspector? Inspector right now. I've been, I already have five years of experience. Um, my dad's a welder and he has his own company on contract and everything. So I have the experience and do a little here and there, but I want to be the welder, be the clean guy, show up on the job sites clean. That's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. Right? Usually the uh, guys that don't get dirty, get paid more for some reason. I don't, I haven't figured that out. No one ever did, but that's how it works. So I'm shooting for that and I'll stick to getting dirty in the desert. You know what? I'm not going to complain for you. I'm really not because you, you can't, I mean, dude, that's awesome. That's really, yeah. So how long do you have to go to school for that to make that happen for you? It'll be 12 weeks. So I'll start right after the 250, and I'll be done hopefully like a month or two before the 1000. And I'm going to try to squeeze in as many little D38 uh, code. Oh, I definitely am going to do the 
Vegas to Reno this year. Have to. I really want to. Nice. That's a good yeah. one. I love it. And I heard that this year is going to be Reno to Vegas, if the rumors That's are true. That's what I heard, too. So that'll be cool to switch it up and do it backwards. Um, yeah, it's a little, a little different, a little scarier, you know, yeah. most of, most of the trails have only been used one way. And most of the guys have always went in one direction. Mm-hmm. And the lips of like certain jumps and whoops are going to be, you're hitting the face of it or something. So it'll be interesting. I uh, told so very much. So you have to be on yeah. your toes, you know? So I maybe the, in this case, the, the 90 mile an hour bikes won't cut it. I might want something a little more some reliable uh, there's still freaking huge straightaways out there it really is huh yeah you're just not going to get away from those it doesn't matter which direction you're when you're on a when you're on a fire road that's flat it doesn't matter what direction you go you know yeah you really do want that top end that top speed exactly you're really going to need it because if you can get out front and you can you know kick up enough dust that will help you and it'll slow your competitors down yeah Sometimes I'll pull the little cheat sheet and just like wiggle the bars a little and just make twice as much dust. <laughs> You're not going to catch me. Not in my dust. I raced Vegas Reno on a motorcycle and coming out of 13 in the dark. Um, I passed the guy that we had been chasing all day long. Yeah. And I drug my foot. <laughs> Trust me, I drug my foot for about a mile. You know, it hurt a couple times because I hit a couple rocks. But I, uh, you know, I drug that leg back there to help create more dust. Uh, you know, because he was on, I was on an XR six hundred, and he was on uh, some sport touring bike. You know, mm-hmm. might even yeah. been BMW. I don't know. It, it, it was bigger than ours, but uh, we ended up pulling off the win, and it was pretty awesome. Hey, it's, it's the little things really every second counts. So if you can slow them down a second and your pits a second faster, you just got two right there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Have you done so, any closed course stuff like works or anything like that? I've never ridden a track and I've always wanted to. Well, Lippy has some, some experience with that. He could set you up a works bike or just modify yeah. the suspension a little. Uh-huh. Just smaller tires and the suspension, like lower it down and stuff. Yeah. You, you'd be all good. Uh, you I, I want, tires. I definitely want to, and I, I want to try some works races and cause I've never ridden a track. I don't know how I feel about being in the air for three seconds. Cause that feels like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I can't help you with that. Cause I like to get my wheels on the ground too. Um, I, I love the desert. I love staying close to the ground and just floating over some whoops, you know, the a half a second in the air. That's what I'm used to in big open trail point A to point B. But I don't know. I recently these D 38 races have taught me about like doing five laps and like repeating like the same terrain over and over. Never really been used to that, but I definitely want to try it. I, I want to see how it works. Well, what it does is it teaches you to find the smoother line. Mm-hmm. It, it, there is some advantages to learning to read the terrain so that you can, you know, pick your way through this, the smoother stuff. Um, but you've spent a lot of time down in San Felipe. So I'm sure, you know, all the, 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 the quote, quote, faster lines. Yeah. Yeah. little bit. I mean, after years of, of just riding around recreational and then racing now too, you, you eventually find the good lines. <laughs> you're it's inevitable you know uh you know i know that craig christie used to go down there for a week before the race and he would do a bunch of google map stuff before and then he would go ride for hours and hours he'd wear a a pre-runner out i mean just flat wear it out pre-running before the race and i was like craig dude, I can't keep up on the maintenance on your pre-runners, let alone build your race bike. And you'll yeah. we'll figure it out. We're good. <laughs> That's some real trust in your mechanic, man. But yeah. And he would go put thousands of miles on that pre-runner and then bring it back to me. And I'm just like, oh, 
what did you do to my bike? I mean, it was beautiful when you picked it up. Oh yeah, I rode it. And you never changed the filter and never changed the oil. And no, I didn't, you know, I knew you'd take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down there prepping the race bike and having to prep his, his pre-runner because he hadn't changed the oil in, you know, five days of pre-running and, you know, the, the air filter was just caked with dirt. And I'm like, Oh my God, where did I find this guy? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, I tried to take care of my, my toys as much as possible. Well, your dad's pretty been pretty much on you to do for most of that. Hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's really always been my dad's team. It's his team. It's his deal. I'm just a pilot. Everyone's like, Hey, like who, how, who builds your, or like what's in your bike or what's, what are you running? I'm like, to tell you the truth, man, I, you have to ask my mechanic or my dad. Cause I'm just a pilot. He gives me the bike. He tells me to go from this marker to that marker and there's arrows usually. So follow him. You know, you, you're as close to a factory ride as you can get really. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it really is. Yeah. It's real nice. And, uh, they, they just tell me to, Pitching, pitching on my my own goods like gear and stuff. I, it's all me, but I'm fortunate enough to have my dad love the sport as much as I do. He might even love it more than I do. That he he helps me out immensely. So, what was his reaction on the on the Vegas Torino win? Oh man, he said because he was the one who kind of airheaded out on that first pit. He was down on himself. He was beating himself all day, and he was like, honestly. I'd probably just drop all this and sell it all if we lost this race. <laughs> if we didn't win this race, I don't want to do it anymore. Like I, would. And I was like, hey, man, we won. Someone's looking over us. Someone's helping us out. We got this. We're doing good, man. So he, he was ecstatic. He was just dancing. He was like a little kid in the candy store. Well, dude, it's a big thing. It, it, it really is a big thing. Yeah. Huge deal. I, I don't even know how to get it... Ex- <laughs> You know, I don't, I try not to get super excited. Um, but right after that race, I loaded up and drove all the way home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone know. would. My dad would too. You know, we, we all would. It's, it's um, when you yeah, get beat. Yeah, yeah. Let's load the stuff. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're. You just have to go. I mean, it's just time. Sorry. I, you know, it's a 12 hour drive, hour drive home. Yeah. And how far you said, where you, where you said you lived, is it, is it, uh, North or South of Vegas? No, you live, um, in Northern California. Oh, SoCal. I live in SoCal. I live um, in Acton, about 20 minutes from Palmdale. Okay. All right. Now I'm, now I'm figuring out where it is. Yeah. I live between Palmdale and Valencia, like Magic Mountain area, like 30 minutes north of Magic Mountain. Okay. Yeah. Now I know where you live. I know. Where mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been going to San Felipe my whole life. It's not an easy drive. Yeah. It's a for us, it's three hours if at that. Yeah, for us, it's six hours there. And depending on borderline weight back, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, that crossing right there could just be brutal. Yeah, sometimes that's why we try to avoid, like if it's a big holiday, I don't know, New Year's, Christmas, something like that, we'll, we'll stay an extra day or two try to avoid the Sunday traffic. Do you guys ever go up to the, the Takati crossing and cross there? Yeah. Sometimes Takati, sometimes, um, yeah, it's usually only Takati or Mexicali because we, we will not go through TJ. Uh, yeah. San Ysidro, my wife and I go through there a bunch and, and it's, it's, we go to end up going to Otai cause it's faster. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's worth it. It's worth the extra hour 45 or whatever to avoid the line. So Valley tea tacos. Are they not, are they not the greatest? And then especially at like after 10 hours of being in the car and in the desert and no food, they hit even better, even better. (laughs) 
you know, the first time they took me there, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty hungry. Well, that's what we're going to eat. And I was like, okay, all right. And now dude, I ate 12 tacos and I'm like, uh, do we have to leave? (laughs) Get to come back tomorrow. You get to come back tomorrow. Uh, All right. All right. That is the spot. It's probably the the best tacos in that, that stretch. I heard that that place is only open on the big races. It is. Yeah. Or, um, like the local races, like, um, record from, so it's like Mexico or Ensenada San Felipe, the little ones they'll open for that, but they really only open for the races in general. Like they are the racers stop pit stop. It's unbelievable because I mean, you go there and, and when you're pre-running, there's, you know, five, six vehicles there. And on race day, you know, uh, and you got a good figure. I'm, I'm a, a, a closed course guy works motocross, you know, you can see the guys, it's all right in front of you. And I go down there with my team the first year, you know, and the head guy, Craig gets on a bike and rides to the, he's riding a hundred miles to where he's going to meet the bike to race, you know? And I'm like, what are you doing? And they have a trailer there and a truck knowing that they're going to pick up the quad. And he leaves me with a couple other guys at the taco stand. Yeah. I see you guys at the finish, you know, and we sit there and eat tacos for a couple, you know, for an hour and then get in the truck and actually drive up to Ojo's. Yeah. And, and watch there for a while and then drive to the finish, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's like the, the best feeling to, to swing by there, especially when you're starving, you know, you didn't, you didn't plan properly. You didn't bring the, the instant lunches and the sandwiches stuff. Those tacos are gold, gold, gold. I must be the worst guy in the world because I took my son with me, uh, down to one of the two fifties. Yeah. The two fifty, mm-hmm. and, uh, no, when it was a 500. I can't remember, but I think it was the two fifty. And they are coming down out of the, um, um, they're coming into the dry lake bed. Yeah. Yeah. So they're coming out of the, yeah, yeah, we're in Borrego. Okay. Yeah. Coming And they're coming towards us. Well, we had to drive around and go to the dry lake bed because we had a mechanical Mm -hmm. and it's a hundred. It had to have been the 500 because it was so hot. Yeah, it had to be the 500. We were freaking baking. It was 112. You know, we were cooking. And And it really scorches in that area. And I'm a bad dad because we have no water. We have no food. Nothing. I didn't, I didn't go out that night and, and get any, and get anything because I was busy. Yeah. Yeah. My son's green. It's his first time down there. He didn't know. So we go out. And they find our bike and our rider stopped at a guy's pit. I mean, it, it, it's a spectator. Yeah. And shrimp and steak. And he's just hanging out there, sitting down in a chair, eating shrimp and steak. And my son comes riding up going, Hey dude, well, we, we got to go. <laughs> they, t- my son tows the kid in. I didn't have a helmet for him. Nothing. You know, I shouldn't even be telling this story. I'm such a bad parent. And <laughs> my son's 18 or so at, the, at this point. Yeah. He gets it to the truck and he's all my son is doing is dad, fix it, dad, fix it, dad, fix it. So we go through all the steps and I have all the pit boxes out. I have the spare bike all out, you know, and I'm figuring out what I need and, and I'm disassembling the, the pre-runner to take the parts that I need. And the first trophy truck goes by and all four doors of the truck are open. No, no. And we're downwind. Uh, Rolls through the truck. And I was like, should we shut the doors? And the second one goes by. (laughs) And I'm like, it's a little late for that now. (laughs) Yeah. We got it back together. We ended up getting third that day because, you know, attrition. You know, we got ours rolling again and, and finished within the time. And, and it, it was a good day. 
And that's the thing, you know, like in Baja, especially those core races, you never know. So fix the bike, get it going. Doesn't matter how long you were stranded out there. It doesn't matter how big of a fix it is. Do it. And you, you really never know. Did I put a new top end on the bike and a new stator? And I think we were only down two hours. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. You know, and I had to wash all the, the broken pieces out of the, out of the stator casing, you know, and everything. Yeah. Um, I saved all the pieces for my brother, you know, so he could tell me what happened. He never did. <laughs> he said, don't worry about it. It just won't happen next time. Yeah. Hey, just never, just never told me, you know, <laughs> um, but the, I get it back together and I say, Hey, Andy, cause it was Andy Lagson's on the bike. I go, Andy, you know, run it through the gears real easy, you know, so we can hear it make sure everything's clicking. Okay. You know, just make sure you're not having any issues with it. And he's like, okay. And he drops it in gear. He pins it first. Yeah. Second, third, fourth. And you, he's, you can see the dust trail and still hear the exhaust note and he's basically out of sight and you can still barely hear it. And I'm like, uh, that's not what I told him to do. <laughs> You're about, you almost said you to do it all over again, like a hundred miles later. Oh man. Uh, we never caught the bike the rest of the day. And I'm the guy that, you know, I love to be pit to pit. I mean, I gotta be there. I'm freaking yeah, out. Yeah. I'm seeing my bike. Right. And I never caught him the rest of the day. We missed him by the last pit. We missed him by like two minutes. You know, that's oh, the closest that we had gotten. Um, and they, he was, he was on fire. He, he wasn't letting go anymore. Well, the guys looking as they rode, everybody rode, they rode hard because they were being told that they were catching the group. They weren't catching. Yeah. They, were, <laughs> yeah. they were just having a good, they were just running good afterwards. But, um, We've got to the finish line and it had a great night. And I'm going to have to use that tactic on the boys on these next races. I'm going to be like, Hey, you're going to catch them. You're, hey, you're reeling them in. You're reeling them in and see if they get excited and start ripping it too. Yeah, but you got to be careful. You got to make sure it's realistic because afterwards you'll never be able to use it again. <laughs> That's so true. Huh? I, I did it to Doug Eichner at King of the desert one year. He had a silencer break. You know? Yeah, and so I fixed the silencer and he come around on the next lap and I go, dude, you're super close. You're super. He was 25 minutes behind him. <laughs> catching him, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and he rode his ass off for that last lap as hard as he could, you know, and still finished 15 minutes behind him. And he was so pissed at me because I hurt my back. I broke a nerf bar and, oh, you know, he was so mad. Just, just killing himself trying to catch him. Yeah. And it was the last time that I was able, able to pull that card. Yeah. So maybe I'll use, I'll use that one. Hold that one. I'll keep that one to the side. I'll put that one in the sleeve and see what's up. See when I actually need it. And well, you know, you know, who's going to use it on you, don't you? Who? Ed's going to use it on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, he's right there. He's right there. <laughs> okay. Okay. He's going to listen to this and he's totally going to use that on me now. Well, I can't wait to wait to meet your dad. Oh man. Yeah, definitely. He said that you guys kind of crossed paths on that race when we were racing that Husky and that you said to him, Hey man, you're making my job a lot harder today. And that was it. And he, he still says that to this day. He was so excited that like, even you talked to him at all. He was like, yeah, man, like, Duncan, Duncan's excited for us. Like we're on their toes, but then the freaking bike blew up. Yeah. We were at that pit when it broke. When you, yeah, came, yeah. We, we came in the bike melting. We waited because we didn't know it was wrong. We just waited to see it. I think we waited 10 minutes and then we finally drove off. Yeah. And, uh, we never, we never heard, uh, anything. Yeah, sir. Yeah, my my dad's excited to meet you too, man. So hopefully we can cross paths in person again and see get get some quality conversation and maybe set something up. Dude, I would love it. Just uh, um, like I do for everybody, I want to invite you back. 
And, you know, maybe that we could get you and your dad and, and your other two partners and, and yeah. have you guys all on together and, and, and talk about, you know, what you guys do in the desert and how you run your team and, and, and how you get your things all together. And, um, a lot of people want to know more in detail and in depth, you know, uh, I talked a little too much this time, but, uh, you know, I apologize. for hey, that. We can always, we can always do another one. No big deal. Uh, you know, you know, the benefit of putting the podcast on is it's my deal. I get to make the rules. Hey man, you're the boss. It's your world. I just live in it. <laughs> you know, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I tell my wife all the time. I we're just extras in other people's movies of life. You know, don't, don't stress. Exactly. Uh, no big it, deal. Let's move on. It's been a lot of fun having you on and talking with you. Uh, and, and then again, I want to extend the invitation um, to come back and speak with me. I definitely want you to let me know how the 250 and the thousand go. Um, you have my contact. I have yours. Uh, I'm going to be reaching out to you periodically just to uh, see how you're doing and, and ask you questions. Cause I know that I see you on Facebook and uh, I, we, we've messaged back and forth a little bit on there. Uh, yes, sir. So absolutely, boss. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. It's awesome meeting you finally. And I hope we can do this again, you know. No problem. No problem. And if, if you ever need anything, uh, ever need any help uh, with any of the races or anything, you know that you can always reach out to us and, and we're always here. Um, you know, and uh, Lippy. Yeah, absolutely. Had him, had him on one of the earlier shows. Yeah, definitely. It was if good. He if he wasn't busier than me, I would have him on again. Yeah. But uh, we taped we taped a Spanish episode. Mm -hmm. My wife being the uh, sitting in my chair, and I was yeah. just there uh, in case they needed to. You know, it was Spanish English. You know, and they'd bring me in for little bits and pieces of it. We've never done anything with it. Uh, I plan on at some point uh, going to school and learning Spanish. You yeah. should, you should look into posting that one. A lot of the, your, your Mexican fans, your Spanish speaking fans would love it. Um, it is posted out there. Okay. I don't know how to get it to you. Um, I probably will do something like that. Um, if I could speak Spanish better, which I'm married to, a gal that speaks Spanish. I should be able to speak Spanish fluently and I can't, uh, I can understand my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me. We have Amen. English Spanish conversations. Okay. You, you probably speak as much Spanish as I do. Like I can hold a conversation. I can get myself around. I can go ask you for this, that everything's serious conversation. But once like everyone starts like doing the, jokes and like the, the, the shit talking. I'm like, I don't know. I don't get it. I didn't understand what you just said. I don't, I can't freaking right, left. I'm struggling. You know? <laughs> yeah. My, my wife, when she talks to me, when I'm driving in, in Mexico, it's hand signals and speaking the words so that I'm yeah. understanding which direction she wants me to go, you know, and I'm trying to pay attention to both so that I get it. Um, when we stay down there for two or three days, I'm better. Yeah. Right back here. And, and then I don't get to use what I've learned. I totally agree. I'll be, I'll be out there for a week pre-running. I'll be, Oh, I got it. I got it. Come home. Gone. All forgotten. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it it's not a, it, it is a super hard language, but it's not. If you're immersed I, in it, it's you, easier than English <laughs> sometimes. Well, it's the he, she portion that I screw up all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just like when it's the other way, it's the he, she thing that's messed up. Absolutely. But the woes of life, right? Hey, we'll, we'll practice together, my man. We'll get it done. All right. All right. I got it. I have a, I have a study partner. I'm okay now. There we go, boss. Right on. Right. As long as we study Spanish and don't talk racing. There we go. And then we got it. I don't think we're going to do much Spanish talking though. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. Uh, thank right you so much for coming on and um, please reach out anytime. And uh, you know that you're welcome on ATV talk. 
and uh, good luck in the 250 and the thousand and Vegas Sereno. And like I said, right if you need anything, you reach out to Duncan Racing. Uh, Lauren and I will be more than glad to take care of you. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, brother. You have a great day. You too. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.